Do you check your phone first thing in the morning or last thing in the night? Do you feel your screens are in control of you? Do you feel that your screen time has exponentially increased? Have you heard of misinformation and believed it to be true? Look Up, Not Down is a podcast where we talk about how you can lead a healthy relationship with your technology. Join us on our journey with several youth experts and advocates to cover domains like digital overload, fake news, mindfulness, ethical technology, technology for good, and much more. Thanks for joining in and we hope you like the podcast. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Look Up India's podcast, Look Up, Not Down, a podcast where we talk about how you can lead a healthy relationship with technology. Our guest today is Shruti Kumar, who is the founder of Go Yogi LLC, which is a non-profit organization passionately working to increase awareness for mental health issues through mindfulness-based mental health education. She's a first-year student at Harvard University, an international yoga competitor, nationally recognized speaker in the US, and is extremely passionate about community service. Shruti, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking the time out and I'm glad we are finally doing this because honestly, this podcast has been on the cards for quite some time now. Like we've been pondering about doing this for a long time. So I'm glad it's really happening right now. So uh, what I think I want to do is actually, you know, start with your origin. So to say, like, how did your entire initiative come about? Because honestly, it's not every day that someone takes up a very, you know, great initiative around mental health and well-being so what uh, what made you want to do what you're doing yeah so first off thank you so much for having me um it's really fun really awesome to be able to talk about this and i really love lookup's mission so i'm really glad that um we're, we're able to have this conversation so yeah um i guess my origin story will start with when i was actually very little first grade so my parents put me in yoga class as a very, very young child. And, you know, at that time, it was just fun to move around on the yoga mat like a little kid. But as I approached middle school and high school, I began to realize the benefits of yoga and meditation in my life. So middle school, high school, at least in America, is where you kind of face more academic stress, you have more social stress, anxiety, um, you have peer pressure going on. So all of these things start to come around middle school and high school, and it can be a very difficult time for many students. And so I think the way that I kind of um, coped with this, or at least helped myself through academic stress, social situations, was practicing the meditation mindfulness that I had learned since I was little. So um, it kind of took me my entire childhood to realize that it was beneficial. Um, and so as I approached high school is when I really got interested in learning about how we can use meditation mindfulness to really, you know, uphold our mental well-being. And so around that same time, actually, my cousin um, was struggling with depression. She was in middle school at the time. And so um, seeing her go through that at such a young age was it really shocked me. It, it made me realize how um, so many young people in our world are facing the same thing, are going through the similar situations. So I really wanted to create a tool that would be proactive, that would be preventative um, in terms of mental health issues. So, you know, usually it's okay, you fall into this issue, it takes over your life, you have to go to the doctor, you have to take these medications. I wanted to provide something that would prevent all of that from happening, that would provide a way to 
you know, build resilience of the mind, make yourself mentally strong enough to be able to face these issues. Um, and so I was able to do that through mindfulness. So I wanted to share that with the world. I wanted to share it with my peers. So I turned basically my knowledge of yoga, my meditation, I did heavy research into this field and created audio lessons, turned that into a curriculum um, and made it so that it was easily implementable within the school system. So it becomes a part of our everyday you know, curriculum, right? Before you start class, you do a few minutes of mindfulness um, and, and then you enter your, you know, make that as a transition between your home life into your academics. So um, we found a lot of benefit in the places that we're working with. And so now I'm just looking on expanding and, you know, sharing this message um, and working with organizations like LookUp to be able to promote well-being, especially, especially mental well-being in an age of technology. So, yeah. Awesome. So I'm I'm glad like somebody actually took up this initiative because like I said, like it's very rare that people actually do this because they are uh, usually okay with it happening to them, but they don't usually go out there and try to do something to make other people mentally strong. So, okay. So that was you pursuing your passion. So can I ask you what steps have you taken for your digital well-being? And how do you cope with the variety of screens all around? Because also, uh, like, I think a large number of us are still, uh, you know, working or attending classes remotely because of the pandemic. So we still required, uh, like, we are still required to be connected around the clock. So how do you really handle this? Yeah, so that's a loaded question. Um, I think... I mean, obviously it's very different for everyone, but for me, it started with the awareness and the realization that, you know, what I was feeling, my emotions, when I think about the past, when I think about the future and versus when I think about the present. So I noticed when I'm, you know, spending lots of time thinking about things that have already happened or things that are going to happen, you know, worrying about my future career or school or whatever, um, you know, that accompanies feelings of anxiety, of, you know, stress. But I noticed when I was in the moment, when I was doing things I loved. So I'm a big reader. I love reading since I was very little, always loved fiction, nonfiction, all kinds of things. So like, I remember when I was very little, I would be so into reading this book that I wouldn't even hear my mom call my name. You know, like I was so involved in that story. Lunch didn't matter. Dinner didn't matter. Playing with my sister, not exactly first priority. Just reading what was there was important to me. And so I think there's a term for that, uh, unputdownable books. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, people can call it flow, people call it passion, people call it mindfulness. There's many names to that. But all I know is that that experience makes me feel good. I like that experience. I enjoy that feeling, you know, and I don't know that, that I've ever felt that as much anymore. And um, especially even when we're on a screen, I don't I don't necessarily feel like, wow, um, you know, this is so enriching for me when I'm on the screen, but it, it's a similar thing. You know, we don't hear people talk to us when we're, you know, in that zone. So it's kind of hard to, you know, figure out how to manage this, especially when it's all around us. Um, so I think for me, it was realizing, you know, when I do something I love, I feel good. And, you know, bringing more of that into my life automatically pushes out time for my phone, you know? So um, especially over winter break, for example, I made it a conscious, you know, effort to prioritize being with the people around me. 
my cousins were visiting me during winter break and you know I real I'm not gonna have this time with them I'm only have like a week with them so like I don't want to spend time on my phone watching a million movies like you know to be with the people around me and that brought me happiness I felt like I I lost my phone for an entire day didn't even care to search for it like I just didn't want to look for it because honestly it didn't matter like I was either doing my nails with them, playing with them, eating lunch, cooking, baking, whatever, like just doing what, what I loved. And, you know, following that practice of just doing what you love, consciously living, made it a lot easier to stay away from my phone, you know? Um, another thing I realized was how long has it been since I felt truly bored, you know? We're constantly stimulated, constantly right. stimulated by something, whether it's our work, whether it's a random TikTok video, YouTube video, whatever, like, Constantly, we just want to be doing something. Also, talking to someone includes doing something, you know? So just sitting there by myself, I found it to be very difficult. I found it like I wasn't I wasn't very bored very often. So um, feelings of boredness obviously can be hard, but I think like I used to feel bored more as a kid than I do now. We don't feel like that anymore because we're stimulated all the time. Um, but it's in those times of boredness that creativity emerges, right? So um, more ideas, more creative, you know, efforts, all of that comes out when we're, when we're more mindful of in that moment. So that's kind of what I try to do. It's, you know, it takes a level of discipline, self-control and maturity to be able to do this, no matter how many phone applications you have that locks your screen or screen time, we will bypass that immediately. We will bypass that unless we have the self-control, you know? I set it up, I set up screen time for like whatever, 45 minutes on social media a day. You I would click that on Exactly, I would disable it and keep going. I would just, yeah. So, you know, I didn't find that to work for me, honestly. Like that stuff is not gonna be a, a measure of self-control. It has to come from within. It has to be, you know, you mindfully becoming aware of what you want in life and how, how you wanna live your life. Do you wanna live it in the world or in the screens? And that's kind of a conscious de decision that's up to you. No one can force you to do that. You know, applications can't force you to do that. It's, it's in your hands and that's pretty, it's hard, but it, it's the hard truth. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so like you mentioned, like even I cannot really, you know, afford to not look at my devices being very honest because like I'm still studying and I still have to check my emails because my teachers might end up sending, uh, like send me an email at the last minute saying that there's a submission tomorrow and I still like have to sit down and do it. Or like there might be an urgent presentation or an urgent group call. So like, uh what uh yeah so what you said like doing what you love may make sense also like apart from that what i usually try to do is you know have like a schedule so do you think that works like having a schedule to look at your devices and having slots where you don't work so essentially there's like a concept called office hours so like yeah. people in corporate do that so like they will check their emails and stuff only during that time and will ignore everything in the other parts of their day so you know, like, oh, does that sort of a concept also help regular people during this kind of a work from home situation? Yeah, I think it's interesting uh, you mentioned that. I'm, I'm a very big scheduler person. I follow my planner, my organizing, to-do list, all of this is, that's how I keep track of my life, you know? But again, since that, since our phones are so present, since our laptops, emails, so present around us, it becomes hard to schedule that. You know, you tend to click that notification immediately as it arises. You're not, 
you're most of us aren't conditioned to wait until 1:30 during our lunch break to check for 30 minutes. We're we're not going to wait. Right. We want to see. We want to see immediately what's there. You we know? want to get back as soon as possible. Exactly, and I think it's it comes with like valuing what's what that information holds. You know, we we deem that information to be so incredibly valuable to our life that we must see it immediately. So I think like for me. I honestly like I what I try to do is on my personal cellular device get rid of all the you know frivolous and trivial aspects of social media like for example I think a lot of middle school when I was in middle school snapchat streaks was a big thing so we would send streaks to people just a picture of yourself you know every day some people it would they would send literally a black screen right now I thought about this I was like is this efficient? Is is this a good use of my time? Like, is anybody benefiting in the world from me sending a picture of my face or of my shirt or whatever? Like, nobody's benefiting from this. They're not benefiting. I'm not benefiting. So what is what is really the point here? You know, why are we doing this? And I used to become obsessive about it. You know, if I didn't send the streak, it was like my relationship with that person was on the line. Like they might hate me if I don't send, like keep up the streak. Well, and it was some sort of expectation between friends, which is a very dangerous thing somehow. Exactly. And in a way, I view that similarly to these notifications. You're keeping up a streak with these notifications. You're building a relationship with that, you know? And so I think like it is important, obviously, to keep track of your work. Um, and, you know, being able to make time for that, but ultimately it's going to be there every minute of our day. So what we, what we need to practice more than scheduling, I think 15 or 20 minute blocks throughout your day is practicing that self-discipline when your phone buzzes, when you get your notification, really critically thinking if you need to open that up, because what will happen when you open it up? What will happen? You'll go to that notification, but then you'll end up going to Instagram, Facebook, right. then you'll go down a rabbit hole. And before you know it, 20, 30 minutes have gone by. So just critically thinking about, do I need to pick this up right now? Like value yourself more than you value attention from others, more than you value, you know, the need to respond to something. Like, I think I hold a very high value of my time and of my effort and where I put my energy, I like to practice being intentional. I think like if we're, if there's such thing as a new year's resolution this year, that's what I've been trying to practice. It's being intentional with what I do, who I do it with, when I do it, you know, where my time is going. And I have built this kind of value for myself. And when, when I have that from within, you know, the need to check someone's text, the need to check someone's call, I, I'm able to push that off until a time when I'm ready to do that um, instead of when they're ready. You know, I, I have control over that instead of them controlling me. And that sense of autonomy is actually psychologically proven to be more causing more happiness. We like it when we have control over our lives. You know, um, if, if there's a day that's set for us where we're, you know, a slave to the day or a slave to our to do list, we don't like that. We like it when we're able to decide what we want to do. So you know, that level of autonomy, that level of control, bringing that back to our digital wellness will actually make us more joyful, make us more happy. So, you know, I consciously take the time, okay, if I get three texts from people, unless it's urgent, I won't, I won't open that up. Exactly. Um, exactly. And the, you know, you know, the people in your life that are urgent, it will be the emergency contact. So unless it's them, you don't necessarily need to see it immediately. Right. So right. being able to regulate that on your own, I think is, is important. Right. 
Here is a short excerpt from Goyogi's mindfulness lesson on gratitude in meditation. We hope you like it. Welcome to the Goyogi program. Today, we will explore the theme of gratitude in our meditation. Train your mind to be grateful for everything in life, and you will see that you will be satisfied by everything you already have. To start, sit with your back upright and your shoulders opened and relaxed. Relax your hands and inhale a deep breath in, filling your lungs with as much oxygen as you can. Close your eyes and let yourself relax slowly and deeply. Exhale out. Bring your mind's focus to your own body and your own mind. Forget your surroundings and just observe and bring attention to yourself. Think about your life as a whole. Imagine something you're grateful for in your life right now. Your friends or your health. Maybe it was the last cup of coffee you had or the view on the way to school. Just take a minute to realize how lucky you are. Imagine the sights and smells that bring you comfort. Relive those emotions and feelings the feelings of love, gratitude, and happiness. Take this next minute to reflect on something you're grateful for in your life today. If you found that awesome and want to get in touch with the Go Yogi team, you can find them on go-yogi.org. Now, back to the podcast. Also, like what I've come to realize is we're almost steering into the technology realm. So before that, I also like want to know from you, like what do you do in your free time beyond tech, uh, like which allows you to live a better life, like a a more holistic life, so to say. Yeah, so I think it. I'm still working on it, of course, like it's very hard to, um, you know, build that perfect life, build that self-control. I think for me, I really just laid out what it is that makes me happy. I thought about it one day. I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing with my time? Is it bringing me joy? Is it bringing me happiness? And, you know, I'm a person that does like to work. I do like to do my work. I I feel passionate about the work that I do. I pour my heart into every aspect of, you know, what what I get involved in. And that brings me happiness. But I found that when I was doing my work, it felt more like a chore than like, you know, something that I love to do. It felt like it was mandatory, not voluntary. And so I think like what I do um, in my everyday life to do that is schedule time for the things that do make me happy. So for me, that's yoga and meditation. Doing that every morning changes my entire day. Like I can't, I don't even know how to really explain this, but the amount of time, like if I give time to, for my mental well-being, for my physical well-being, I feel like I'm doing something good for myself. 
And, you know, if I wake up one day, you know, just shower and start my work immediately, I haven't taken the time to fully wake my body up, set my mind right, lay out my intentions for the day. So I do that even if I, you know, I don't always wake up really early in the morning and have an amazing day. Sometimes I wake up late, but I make sure even if I wake up late to practice at least five to 10 minutes of meditation. Mm. That is something that, you know, I have done this year by um, without missing. Obviously it happens so a few days, like, you know, here and there happens, but yoga and mindfulness every morning has been something that's very important to me. Right. Um, and then the other things is I will, I will write out, you know, the tasks that I have to do for the day, schedule that. And during my lunch break, that's kind of in the middle of the day, be able to, you know, whatever, check my phone, watch some Netflix, and then kind of get back to that. So, but scheduling, because we schedule all the things that we have to do, right? That we're, that we're paid to do, or that are mandatory by life. We don't schedule the things that we love, you know? So it comes also, exactly. So I've, I've practiced, you know, scheduling, okay, go on a walk with this friend, schedule time, you know, go get my nails done or do my nails, whatever, schedule time to read a book that I love, schedule time to write down, you know, quotes in my journal that I really like, whatever, like whatever it is that you like to do, photo photography, like if you like that, um, you know, decorating your room, whatever it is that something that brings you happiness that you're like, oh, if I wish I had a few days off, I would be able to do all these things. You're not gonna get a few days off, you know, we're never gonna have our to-do list don't end, right? there's never an end to this. Like you can't wait till retirement to enjoy your life. So you got to schedule, you have to schedule the things you love into your everyday life. Otherwise, otherwise it will be a terrible experience. So I just, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's hard, right? Like even I'm not, you know, perfectly there yet, but making that intentional effort every day, I think is important. So schedule, schedule the free time, schedule um, the things you love, I think is the most important. Right. So that is actually pretty cool. And I really hope to start doing it myself, honestly. <laughs> also, like what I think you would agree upon is that these activities are still uh, like pretty much at the individual level, like you and me would do at our personal levels in our own lives. So uh, what do you think could be done like this at a societal level or an institutional level to enable digital well-being? So for example, like should schools and colleges have uh, something like online hours fixed beyond which students will not be disturbed anyhow? Or should companies like fix on some more effective techniques for their employees? So would that be an ideal situation or is it too far-fetched? This is also a very interesting question. Um, I, I'm not an expert in education or, you know, the workspace necessarily, but um, at least my experience with education is the system itself can be improved to supplement and support student well-being, mental health and appreciating that. So I think the biggest thing that I learned actually from founding and implementing Go Yogi in the schools was whether that mindfulness activity was life-changing or not for a student. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that they appreciated was that their school, their teachers, their administration cared about them. Mm -hmm. So that is the biggest thing that almost everyone had something good to say about. Some kids were like, okay, this isn't very helpful for me. Or some kids were like, wow, I wanna do this five times a day. It's, you know, mindfulness, is different for everyone. But one commonality was that these students really appreciated the fact that their teachers cared about their mental health. 
they cared about their well-being their you know digital technology time whatever and i think the institutions showing that they care itself is a very big step in the right direction um i think like education wise things that can be done a lot of education right now is based on you know just learning something and showing them that you can do it right and I think that it should be geared towards more application-based efforts. So what you're learning in class, if, if our homework assignments are geared towards applying it in the real world, that will automatically force us to spend less time doing questionnaires, quizzes, worksheets, assignments on computers or iPads, and more time interacting in the real world. For example, you know, if I'm taking a history class, sociology class, whatever, and if the assignment is more on the lines of go interview someone in your community who can teach you about this, go talk to someone about this. Assignments like this will give the student something exciting to do that's not, you know, spending a million hours on the screen. You can do an interview, you can, you know, click the record, put your phone down and have a genuine conversation with someone. Right. Assignments like this can foster and promote, you know, less dependence on technology while still learning things in school yeah, rather I mean, than we, just giving questions which you can just put into google and just see the answer out of exactly yeah yeah exactly and i think you know things like that you know researching and coming up with more exciting ways to engage our students to bring you know real world aspects into what we're learning will not only help them learn better it will promote their well-being it will right. increase their interest in learning like that's the biggest thing that I feel really sad about these days is that students are not going to school to learn. You know, they're going because they have to. They're doing their assignments because they have to, not because of genuine intellectual curiosity, not because of like a true passion for learning about the world. And that true passion, that intrinsic motivation to want to learn is what education systems should be fostering. And, you know, fostering that itself will promote to well-being. It will ultimately bring us to less screen time, less, you know, workbook time, reading books, literally give them a challenge to go to the library. How many students go to the library anymore? Exactly. Um, so I don't know. I think those are some ideas. Obviously, again, I'm not an expert. These are just things I wish that I had in my educational experience. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of some some aspects that institutionally they can promote. I do know that several like tech companies and, you know, big industries are trying to, you know, provide nap time or relaxing time in the middle of the day for their employees. Um, and I think that's good. But ultimately, we've become such a work oriented society that even if we do have time off, we don't use that for time off. Mm. Right, like you we have wondering about the next thing to attend or the next email yes. you have to send out. So yeah, right. Like even if your workspace gave you a two-hour break in the middle of your day, saying, "Okay, go relax," will you actually relax, or will you spend time? You know, okay, I'll use this time to catch up on my work. I'll use this time to get ahead of my work. I'll use this time to do some extra work here. Like we're so work-oriented that no matter how many days you give us. We will never stop working in that sense. And so like even us, we've, we've been given wellness days this year. Um, and how I'm trying to, I'm a lot of students are like, okay, 
I'm just going to spend that time, you know, finishing my work, catching up on my work, yeah. that kind of thing. Is, is it truly a wellness day? Is it truly going to be a wellness day? That's in your hands, you know? Like if I choose to take that day to catch up on my work, or if I go book myself a massage, take a walk in the park and take a book, you know, to read somewhere, that's in my hands. So ultimately, as much as the institution can try to give you time, can try to supplement your well-being, it is very individual at the end of the day. So I do think that those systems need to be in place institutionally, but we also need to be strong enough to be able to use those systems right. to promote our, our well-being. So, yeah. Okay, so that was something very insightful. And like, I'm glad like we had a, like students opinion on this because like, to be honest, students don't usually come out very often like talking about these issues. And I'm glad it finally happened. And also, we're finally into the last segment of our podcast. And so what would you suggest our listeners and viewers to do as part of looking up in their life uh, rather than being glued to their technology? So what would you recommend? Um, I think the first step is actually just recognizing how big a part of that it is in your life. So like for it takes awareness, right, to make change. Um, no matter how many people you talk to or things, videos you watch or, you know, talks you listen to, it's amazing. It will bring insight awareness. But at the end of the day, we have to be aware of our own um, actions. So bringing that awareness, just kind of thinking about, okay, I'm spending this many time hours on my phone. Um, I'm spending this many um, hours offline. And I think the biggest thing that it took for me was recognizing the everyday interactions in which I'm dependent. So if I'm with my family at dinner, if I'm with my friends at a restaurant or anything like this, like recognizing that I shouldn't be on my phone, that's a sign of disrespect. I'm showing that person that I don't value them. You know, I think that my phone is more important, which is why I'm on my phone. These are the kind of attitudes and signals that we send when we prioritize our phone. So. Um, I think the first steps would be bringing attention, like actually just acknowledging, okay, I am addicted. Like I'm addicted to my phone. Right. Being okay with that, like literally say it out loud and acknowledge that, yes, like we're in a digital age and it's a big part of our lives. But recognizing that, okay, maybe I'm enjoying myself when I do this. I enjoy myself when I do this. For me, it's reading. For me, it's swimming. I love swimming. That's a form of exercise that really like allows me to focus on my body and not think about the everything else in the world. Um, seeing that we're using technology as a distraction from what life truly is. Recognizing these things is the first step. The second step I think is like I said, physically scheduling time to be doing what you love. Right. Like literally adding it to your Google calendar, writing it in your planner, like this block of time, I'm going to sit and read my book that I love to do. If you write that and if you sit and do that, you can't take your phone during that time. You can't do your work because you have set the time for your book reading or for your swimming or for your painting or for your photography. Like we have to make the time to do what we love. Otherwise we are gonna be a slave to the things we don't like to do. We're gonna be a slave to our to-do list. We're gonna be a slave to our cellular devices. Every notification, it's going to be drawing you in again. And so, um, and then I think the last thing is I like to physically distance myself from my phone. That's worked for me. So like sometimes I'll just leave it somewhere and I won't, if I, if I think I need it, I'll be like, do I really need it? Do I need to go look for it right now? So like 
being physically away from it is actually very helpful. I know a lot of students, especially, also me included, find it hard to study and concentrate if the phone is nearby. So um, this is actually interesting because sometimes like I'm studying, my phone won't even be going off. Okay, the screen will just be blank. It'll be sitting face up where I'm studying, mm -hmm. but just the presence of that there is distracting, right, to my studying. It's distracting to my thought process. Right. Then if I put it under my bed, if I put it under my pillow, if I literally throw it somewhere and it's out of my sight of vision, exactly. then it's just me and my books. It's just me and my painting. It's just me and my photography. It's just me and my reading. You know, it, it's not there physically. So that helps for me. Um, that That is something that you kind of have to work with on your own but just figuring out what your relationship is with technology and being able to you know put systems in place that regulate your usage so um yeah i don't know those are that's my two cents about it okay. awesome so i feel that like was a very good discussion like on the topics which we actually set out to talk on and you did enlighten me personally quite a bit so thanks for that also, wherever you're watching or listening from, if you do have any questions related to the topic of this conversation, uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can find Look Up India on all our major social media channels. If you're interested in what Shruti and the Go Yogi team is doing, they're doing a wonderful job. Uh, do check them out on go-yogi.org. Also, they are present on Instagram at go underscore yogi. Thanks for everyone who, who joined in today and we hope to see you again in the next episode. Thank you.